This audio is brought to you by MuslimCentral.com. Let's see if this works. <laughs> so, once again. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulihi al-kareem wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. So, inshallah ta'ala, we'll try this again and hopefully it'll stick this time. And I'll check in uh, two, three minutes in again to make sure that the sound is working with the Nahi Ta'ala. So, um, you know, I was saying that subhanAllah, I'm falling in love again with these ayat. And I think that just as we find, as we study the Qur'an deeper from a structural perspective, how every surah ties in so beautifully into the next surah, we're finding how, you know, these ayat, especially these blessed groupings where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about a group of people and then Allah lists out a bunch of qualities about those people, especially how uh, those can be so much more coherent than we may have previously uh, thought. So we were talking about so many different elements of Ibad al-Rahman, so many different elements of the qualities of the most merciful. And where we left off, you know, and similar to the angel series where it's kind of this element of your life ties into this element of your life, uh, you go from the loud outside world to the innermost part of your home where sharaf al-mu'min qiyamuhu bil-layl, the nobility of the believer is their night prayer, a place of sujood, and that's the imagery. So what are they saying in their sajda? What are these people calling out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as they're in the corner of their homes and they are making sujood to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in private? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا اصْرِفْ عَنَّا عَذَابَ جَهَنَّمْ إِنَّا عَذَابَهَا كَانَ غَرَامًا إِنَّهَا سَاءَتْ مُسْتَقَرًا وَمُقَامًا those are the people who entreat and when they say, our Lord, ward off from us. رَبَّنَا صْرِفْ Ward off from us. عَذَابَ جَهَنَّمْ The punishment of hell. إِنَّ عَذَابَهَا كَانَ غَرَامًا Verily, its punishment is one that clings. It's one that sticks. And subhanAllah, the word غَرَامًا, uh, it actually comes from um, the same uh, root as that which is used to describe a debtor who won't leave you alone, a debtor who stalks you. So when they say رَجُلٌ غَرِيمٌ you know, imagine owing someone money, and as you owe that person money, they stalk you. Everywhere you are, they show up, and they keep on calling you, they keep on watching you, they keep on following you, and you feel like you cannot escape uh, their sight, and you cannot escape the right that you owe to them. They're not letting you forget, and they're not letting you get away from the right that you owe to them. So these people uh, refer to Adaba Jahannam, they refer to the punishment of hellfire as gharama. It's like that rajun gharim. Uh, anytime you try to escape it, it will catch you. And of course, there's a physical element to this that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, uh, Malik, the angel uh, that guards the hellfire. And the Prophet ﷺ saw him on, on the night of Al-Isra and Mi'raj, and, and he wasn't smiling. And he was, you know, he had, he had a, a very frightening appearance. And it's not that he looks like that. It's that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes him to appear that way to the people um, as they're in hellfire. So the idea of the guardians of hellfire, not letting a person leave um, hellfire. So it's gharana, it's, it just keeps pulling you back in. And subhanAllah, uh, I think one of the, the highlights of, of Quran 30 for 30 uh, was when, when Sister Tasneem al-Qiq was on and she was talking about this idea of you can't escape, right? It, it grabs you back. And it's not healthy to think of an escape. And one of the reasons why we try to escape thoughts of punishments in the hereafter is because we want to escape any consequences or any 
commitments uh, in this life. And so it's it's a matter of convenience, putting it off and, you know, saying, you know, even if we go to hellfire, you know, we'll only be there for a day or two. You know, eventually, Allah will get us out. So we'll only be there for some time. And so it's okay if I have this sin that I'm insisting upon. It's okay if I do a little bit of this. It's okay if I'm, you know, if I cheat here. It's okay if I do this. It's okay if I... And so a person starts to belittle their sins because they've belittled the consequences of those sins, okay? So rajun gharim, uh, like a stalker that you owe money to, and that debtor is a, is a stalker and stalking you until they get their right from you. And that is the way that these people refer to hellfire. Inna azabaha kana gharama, that its punishment is one that clings. Innaha sa'at mustaqarran wa muqama. Verily, it is a wretched abode and resting place. Um, sa'at mustaqar, mustaqar refers to ever present. So it speaks to it as a place. Uh, muqama is like iqama, it's never ending. Okay, so it speaks to time. So again, mustaqarra, meaning ever an ever-present place. Muqama, uh, meaning its punishment is, uh, is, is for a never-ending time. And so they say, innaha sa'at mustaqarra wa muqama. And so these people are expressing a fear of the punishment of the hellfire. And, as, and, and you know, it, it connects in a very interesting way to the ayat uh, before. But first and foremost, before I even get to the connection, and Imam Al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah, you know, he, he pointed out something uh, that's, that's very powerful. He says, uh, They're saying this with certainty, as if they've seen hellfire, as if they've seen hellfire, right? So they're speaking about hellfire. They're speaking about it as a matter of fact, and they're speaking about it from a place of knowledge as if they've seen it. So there is full certainty in its existence, and there's full certainty in its punishment. There's nothing hypothetical about this. It's, and, and they don't have to experience it uh, to know that it is all of those things that they've given it in terms of description, because for them, they're people that believe in the unseen. Allah telling us about it through the trustworthy one, the Prophet wasallam. Allah telling us about it through him, it's as if we would have seen it. Okay, and so Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, for example, um, that if I was to see Jannah, if I was to see it with my own two eyes, I would not want it more than I already wanted. And if I was to see hellfire, then I would not fear it more than I already fear it. And of course, what he was talking about is this idea that, you know, I know it's there. I know Jannah is real. And I know Jahannam is real. I know these things are real. And I have certainty about them. Uh, one of the hadith that we'll discuss in the angel series uh, towards the end, uh, the very famous hadith about the angels finding the circles of dhikr, the circles of the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asking the angels, what are they asking for? What's their, what's their ask? And they're asking you for paradise. And Allah says, have they seen it? And Allah knows they haven't seen it, that we haven't seen it. But the way that they're expressing that desire for paradise, it's as if they've seen it. And the angels would say, no, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to the angels, so how would it be had they seen it? And uh, when it comes to fear of hellfire, what are they asking for? They're asking for the protection from hellfire. Have they seen it? And the angels say, no, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, how would it be had they seen it? Right? Like how much more fear would they have of it had they actually seen it? And so this is the difference between 
and this is not just the plug of Yaqeen, but hopefully you're understanding why we chose the name Yaqeen, uh, you know, over this over this time. Ilm al-Yaqeen to Ayn al-Yaqeen, right? To, to, to the knowledge of, of certainty or certain knowledge and certain experience to actually see it, right? To actually see it with certainty. And so the closer that Ilm al-Yaqeen gets to Ayn al-Yaqeen, that the knowledge, you're, that, that the certainty that you have through knowing of it is just as much as had you seen it as Ayn al-Yaqeen, the closer that you get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the more that you work in accordance with that. Uh, one of the Salaf Abu Hazm, uh, rahimahullah ta'ala, he uh, said during the night one night, because this is regarding Qiyamul Layl and the people that uh, should be praying at night, he said, He said, I'm amazed by paradise. How is it that the one who who has uh, who is pursuing paradise is sleeping? I'm, I'm, I'm amazed by Jannah. How is it that the one who is seeking it is asleep right now. And I'm amazed by hellfire. How is the one who is trying to escape it? How is the runaway? How is the one who's trying to run away from it asleep right now? And so both of these things, uh, as Allah says in Surah Sajda, they call out to their Lord out of fear and hope. Both of these things, the desire for paradise and the fear of hellfire, uh, those things together mean less sleep. That means more prayer at night. That means more uh, khalwa, more seclusion, and more dua, more supplication to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect you from those things and to elevate you. And the goal of all of that is to get to a point where uh, hope and fear are overcome by that love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's pleasure. And so... Uh, you know, Umar bin Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said about Suhaib al-Rumi radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, He said, even if he didn't fear God, he still would not disobey him. Even if he didn't fear Allah, he would not disobey him. Why? Because he loved Allah that much. He loved Allah that much. And so the, the, the body that Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah mentioned, the body of the believer is the love of Allah. The two wings are fear and hope. This is a specific um, appeal to the fear of Part of this, a healthy fear, not despair. Remember, healthy fear never becomes despair. Healthy hope never becomes delusion. Okay, so that's the fine line. Healthy fear never should become despair. Healthy hope should never become delusion. So, what are the connections to the previous ayat? Number one, these are ibad al-Rahman. These are the servants of al-Rahman, and so they are appearing to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala uh, for His rahmah. They're appealing to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala for His mercy. Okay. So the servants of the Most Merciful appealing to Allah for His mercy. is There's something very beautiful about that in particular. Number two, and uh, this is a profound point. One of the dangers of being someone who has both a righteous life in private and a righteous life in public, which has already been established by these ayats. Okay, so what's been established thus far in the description of the servants of the Most Merciful is that they pray at night. They're in prayer at night. And during the day, these people carry out their lives with extraordinary grace. Okay? So they're graceful during the day with Allah's creation. And they are grateful to Allah in the night through prayer and supplication. So you've got a beautiful connection of your private life, your public life. MashaAllah, it's all, it's all there, right? 
So what can happen to this person? Well, that person could become proud. That person could become conceited. That person could start to see themselves in a certain light and they could become prideful and boastful. And so then the thought of hellfire is like, yeah, that's for those other people. They could become judgmental. They could, because, you know, you've got to realize if shaitan cannot attack you from the left, he will attack you from the right. If shaitan cannot attack you from the left, he'll attack you from the right. If he can't attack you by getting you to commit certain sins, either in the form of following your desires or in the form of responding to foolish people, then he's going to attack you through your prayer, through your fasting, through those good deeds, and try to corrupt them and corrupt you by inserting pride and conceitedness and showing off ostentation and uh, being condescending, right? So looking down upon, he's going to try to corrupt you from the right side if he can't get you from the left side. And so the beauty of this ayah, and this is the second connection uh, to the previous ayat, is that these are people whose worship has not made them proud to presume that they are from the awliya of Allah, they're from the beloved ones of Allah, and they don't have to worry anymore. The fire of hell will not touch them. That's for those foolish people. You know, the fire is for those foolish people that we just, you know, that we said salam to outside. The fire is for those people that aren't praying right now while I'm praying. The fire is for those people that are watching Netflix while I'm praying Qiyam right? That's who the fire is for, not for me. I'm exempted from that category, okay? So on the other hand, what we find here is that, you know, even though they have those good qualities, they're still afraid. They still have a healthy fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they are praying to their Lord to save them from the punishment of the fire. And so, you know, this is a, this is a very powerful connection to the previous ayat. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, inshallah ta'ala, in a moment. Uh, the, third, the third connection to the previous ayat is that, you know, Allah Azza wa Jal just took us from a scene where You know, people are bothering them, distracting them, and they're too focused. So I want you to think of think of a, a you know a scene where a person is trying to get to a really important appointment. All right, and as that person's trying to get to a really important appointment, things are happening on the way to that appointment, and they just want to get there. Right. So let's say, for example, you, you know, your appointments at, I don't wear, I'm not wearing my watch right now, but your appointments at two o'clock and you get to the, the parking lot at 1.59 and you start running right from the parking lot to the appointment. And as you're running from the parking lot to the appointment, you know, someone uh, yells at you, says something derogatory, says something really dumb to you. And you don't bother with that person because I've got an appointment to get to. Okay. I've got something to think about. And so there is an essential connection here, which is that Ibad al-Rahman are too busy worrying about the severity of the hereafter to be thinking about the silliness of this world. I'm going to say that again. They're too busy worrying about the severity of the hereafter to be thinking about the silliness of this world. And so I can't be worried about petty insults and foolish people taking aim at my reputation uh, which is, by the way, wajh, you know, the face's reputation in the, in the Arabic language, even in the Quran, uh, that language, because I'm too focused on protecting my face from the fire on the Day of Judgment. I, I don't have time for all this. I've got to worry about that. Because, uh, you know, adab al-akhirah, the punishment and, and the hardship of the hereafter, is so much harder than anything that I could endure in this world. And I need to focus on that. You know, uh, as Uthman, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, uh, you know, he wants, um, 
he was an old man, he was in his 80s, and he pinched the ear of, of a young boy. And he felt bad. And he told the young boy, pinch my ear back. And the young boy was like, you know, I'm not gonna, this is a man, Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who's, uh, you know, who, who, who the Prophet sallallahu was shy of, and who the Prophet sallallahu said the angels are shy of. I'm not going to pinch your ear. And Uthman radiallahu anhu insisted, pinch my ear. And he kept on pulling back and saying, no, yeah, I'm going I'm not going to pinch your ear. You're the Khalifa. You're, you're, you're the most noble man alive. I'm not going to pinch your ear. And Uthman radiallahu said, pinch my ear. said, pinch my ear because the consequences of this world are far lighter than the consequences of the hereafter. Okay, I'd rather get pinched in the ear now than pay the price of that injustice in the hereafter. And so the connection to the previous ayat is that this is a person that is way too busy focused on the severity of the hereafter, to be thinking about the silliness of this world, including petty insults and foolish people, because they're worried about the very real consequences that exist in the hereafter for the wicked. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. And this is um, you know, also a hadith from Aisha radiallahu anha in regards to the severity of consequences. She uh, asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that on the day of judgment, um, that people will be without clothes. People will be naked on the day of judgment. They won't have clothes. Um, you know, they'll be completely in their original state, naked, uncircumcised, no titles, no distinctions, no nothing. And Aisha radiallahu anha, out of her hayat, out of her shyness, and just a natural thought that came to her head, she said, Ya Rasulullah, the men and the women, aren't they going to be looking at each other? Aren't they going to be looking at each other? And uh, the Prophet said, No, O Aisha. And he said, Because the matter is too severe for that. People will be so focused on the matter at hand that they won't even notice that people will be without clothes, including themselves. SubhanAllah, to show you the severity of that. And so, uh, this is also a part of that, that there is a sense of the severity of the matter of the hereafter in front of them. And that sense of the severity of the hereafter and, and, and the possibility of punishment keeps those people focused on that. And so they don't worry about some of the things of this world that other people get obsessed with. And subhanAllah, this is really, you know, something that's very important for all of us to think about. Um, how much currency do you put in certain things being intact in this dunya? And I speak to myself first, all right? How much do we put in, you know, this being intact and this being intact and this being intact to where when, when a hole presents itself in one of those things, uh, our core is disrupted, right? And so tie yourself to the hereafter because that is certain. Tie yourself to the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that is a more worthy pursuit. Tie yourself to those things so that when, when, when this dunya just presents its, its usual wrinkles, uh, your core goal and your core methodology of pursuit of that goal is not compromised in the process. Uh, there's another thing that we find here, and this is a consistent theme in the Quran. The connection between urgency and awareness. The connection between urgency and awareness. And so these are people that are contemplating the signs that Sheikh Yasser Fahmi, by the way, you know, Sheikh Yasser Fahmi uh, really, uh, today, tonight, I really benefited from his words, subhanAllah. I never thought about, I knew the hadith or the narration that I thought about Abdullah al-Mas'ud and 
talking about the the, the gardens of the Hawamin, but uh, just such a beautiful uh, you know elaboration on the idea of signs and the blessing of signs. So there is two sense there are two ways to become aware of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, right? That we will show them our ayat bil afaq in the horizons, wafi and fusihim, and in themselves, until it is made clear to them that it is the truth. Okay, so there's a sense of urgency that comes with that sense of awareness. How? Surah Ali Imran, Allah subhanahu wa taala mentions al-ladina yatafakkaruna fi khalq al-samawati wal-ard. Rabbana ma kharabta hada baatira. Subhanaka faqina alabna. Okay, a people that are looking out to the horizons, looking out at the stars, looking out at the moon, looking out at the sun, looking out at the grass, looking out at the flowers, looking out at the mountains, looking out at the water, looking out at all of the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the heavens and the earth. And that brings them to a place of, oh Allah, this was not made in vain. A hypersense of awareness based upon the contemplation of the heavens and the earth. Ya Allah, this was not made in vain. Subhanak, how perfect are you? And what's the very next ask that comes? Protect us from the fire. Why? Because there's a connection between awareness and urgency. Okay? And urgency. Here... A person is taking to the corner of their home and in a place of prostration and prayer, where is the awareness coming from? It's the awareness of self, the awareness of our own selves, the awareness of our own creation, the awareness of the things that we have done. That's the type of awareness that we're developing here. And what's the next ayah? Okay, a sense of urgency. Oh Allah, protect us from the fire. Oh Allah, protect us from the punishment. And so there is an essential connection between urgency and uh, between awareness and urgency, in the heavens and the earth, and then within ourselves, as we beautifully elaborated on tonight by our dear Sheikh Yasir Fahim. And so what does that create in a person? Okay. And I want to speak to this, that, that, you know, hope and fear, healthy hope and healthy fear, have very unique interventions into our tuskia, into our spirituality. Khawf, fear protects from what? Fear protects from nifaq. It protects from hypocrisy. Fear protects from hypocrisy in a way that hope cannot. So khawf protects from nifaq. Tama'a, uh, I'm sorry, fear protects from hypocrisy. Khawf protects from nifaq. Tama'a, which is hope, protects from what? It protects from shahawat. It protects from being led by our desires. Why? Because we learn to hope in something greater. We put our We put the desire for Allah's uh, paradise and Allah's garden and Allah's pleasure above our hopes and the desires and the things that we have access to in this world. But those are two very different interventions into our tasqiyah, and they're very necessary. Okay? So, khawfan wa tama'a yadi'una rabbahum khawfan wa tama'a. They call out to their Lord in fear and in hope. Fear is necessary to protect us from nifaq, to protect us from uh, hypocrisy. And that's why uh, when Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she asked the Prophet sallallahu about the ayah in Surah Al-Mu'minun where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, Verses, um, I believe it's 60, uh, Surah Al-Mu'minun, 60, 60, 61, 62, somewhere there. But those are the people that rush to do good deeds. Uh, Aisha radiallahu anha, she said to the Prophet sallallahu 
Ya Rasulullah, ahu alladhi yasni, is that the person that commits adultery? Wiyaslip, wiyasur, is that the person who commits adultery and steals or drinks alcohol? Meaning, you know, sometimes we see that when a person makes tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when they repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in an effort to turn their lives around very quickly, uh, they become, you know, seemingly overzealous. So suddenly, you know, they feel like they have to make up for an extreme life of sin with an extreme life of good deeds. And so they turn the corner all the way. And you hope, you hope that they don't burn out and they don't go to the extreme there. Uh, because, you know, what all that's going to do is going to take them right back to where they came from, right? Setting themselves up to crash. Sometimes you see someone who does something terrible, and in the aftermath of doing something terrible, they have hyper toba, like hyper-repentance. And that could be a good thing, but it could be a bad thing if they set them unrealistic expectations for themselves, which will inevitably lead to their disappointment and to their depression and to falling right back uh, in where they came from. So Aisha, she asked the Prophet, this ayah about these people that rush to do good, right? Because they were seeing this play out in their eyes. This is a society, the Sahaba were a society of converts, right? They were a society of converts. So they were seeing the Umar ibn Khattabs of the world, pre-Islam Umar radiallahu anhu, post-Islam Umar, uh, pre-Islam Hamza, post-Islam Hamza radiallahu anhu. They were seeing this play out in front of their eyes. So is this who this is talking about, Ya Rasulullah? And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, uh, no, O daughter of the truthful. And some of the scholars, they said that when the Prophet used to say to her, the daughter of the most truthful, the Prophet was praising her innocence and her sincerity and her tr- truthfulness. She said, He said, That is the person who prays, who fasts, who gives charity. And with all of that, they're still afraid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They still have a healthy fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so they, they're not proud or conceited. They don't feel like they've arrived in a way that they're going to stop because, hey, you know, alhamdulillah, I'm doing all of these things, so I must be good. Allah, that's a disease, a disease, a disease. May Allah protect us because it's so easy for us to not see this disease, right? When you're sinning, when you're in a place of sin, it's a lot easier for you to be able to recognize that you're in that place of sin. But when you're in a place of good deeds and you're developing pride and you're developing conceit, conceit and you're developing um, you know, a, a self-righteousness, it's a lot harder to see that. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, he said, If you were not to sin, I would fear for you something greater than sin. Al-Ujb, Al-Ujb that you become conceited, you become conceited. So you start to see yourself committing good deeds and you start to look down on people and you start to belittle people. And so you start to put other people down. And Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah ta'ala, he has a, a very powerful uh, saying about this. He says that, and to be tanaima, for you to sleep all night and to wake up nadima, to wake up in regret. So to, so to sleep all night and to wake up in regret is better than for you to spend the whole night in Qiyamul and to wake up in the morning with pride. Okay? Uh, so, and you know, for you to sleep at night and then to wake up with a sense of regret that you missed your prayer is better than praying all night and then waking up with a sense of pride. All right? So 
Why? Because that person who slept through the night and did not wake up and pray, uh, they feel a sense of nadam, a sense of regret, and they want to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're still trying to push themselves. Whereas that person who prayed all night maybe might think, you know, mashallah, look at me. Look at me. Okay? So this is something that we should take note of, and um, it, it, it is uh, very important, especially for people that turn the corner with their religious lives. Sometimes they forget where they were before, and they start to look down on other people. And subhanAllah, the salaf, one of the, one of the, 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 the cures that we find from the salaf, by the way, is that, you know, Because there's a connection here also. When the ignorant or the foolish would, would berate them, they would say salama. The Salaf would still believe that that average layperson who doesn't have the best of akhlaq probably still has something redeeming that makes them better than me. Okay? So that sinner might be better than me, the scholar, because I sin in a way that other people don't see. It's not as obvious as that sinner. And maybe that sinner, the one that's known for their sin, while I'm known for my good, maybe that sinner has a good deed between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that will redeem them and that will save them, and that will enter them into paradise. And it might be that I, the person known for my good, and known for my religiosity, I have a sin that will be fatal, and that will lead me astray, and, and, and enter me into the hellfire. And so the Salaf, the pious predecessors, would not look down upon those people that were obviously committing sin, because they still knew that it could be that they were so aware of their own sins, right? And they were so afraid of their own selves, that, you know, they would say that maybe that person has something good about them. And, and I sin in ways that that person does not sin. So that person might be better in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, than me. This is, it's an important quality to have. And so these people, despite their, uh, you know, despite these beautiful qualities, still have a sense of humility with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are still afraid of hypocrisy, are still afraid of their own sins, are still afraid of their own flaws, and they're hyper-aware. And so because they're hyper-aware, they have a hyper-sense of urgency. And when I say khawf is a protection uh, from nifaq in particular, fear is a protection from hypocrisy. You know, Hadith ibn al-Yaman ta'ala he said that the Sahaba used to ask the Prophet about the good things and how they can attain them. He said, And I used to ask him about the bad things and how I can avoid them. And what did that earn for they follow the Allah? The Prophet was so certain, was so certain of Hudayfa's protection from nifaq, from hypocrisy, that he entrusted him with the names of the hypocrites. SubhanAllah, because that was his mindset, his attitude. He was so afraid of uh, hypocrisy that the Prophet saw him worthy of entrusting him with the names of the hypocrites. And guess what? Guess who the first person, actually the only the only person, to my knowledge, Allah knows best. I could be wrong, so please don't take this as a fact. To my knowledge, the only narration we have of a sahabi asking Hudayfa about whether or not he was one of the hypocrites that the Prophet had mentioned was Umar ibn Khattab of all people. Umar, min al-mubashirin al-jannah. From those who was from those who were guaranteed paradise, from those who the Prophet ﷺ had extolled so many times, right? So many times. Who the Prophet ﷺ said the Shaytan flees his path. And Umar radiallahu anhu is asking Hudayf ibn Iman, Am I one of them? You know, and he means it. 
Am I one of those hypocrites? SubhanAllah. If Umar anhu has, has that khawf, has a fear that he might be falling short and the long nights of qiyam and khidmah of Umar anhu did not cause him to develop a sense of pride and a sense of certainty that he was in the clear and no longer had to ask Allah to protect him from punishment. Who are we? Who are we to think we should not ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that anymore? Now, to bring this all back, um, and you know, there's a beautiful... Uh, Sequence to these ayats, by the way, because Allah's response in a few ayats uh, is not to just assure the believers that they will be protected from the terrors of Jahannam, but instead Allah elaborates on the beauty of Jannah. <laughs> you know, to say, subhanAllah, that, that, you know, people that are like this, a people that are calling upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for protection from the fire, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not merely going to protect them from the fire. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to elevate them in the gardens. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, he said that whoever asks Allah for Jannah three times, whoever asks Allah for Jannah three times, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes Jannah to respond. Paradise responds. Jannah itself responds and says, Oh Allah, enter him, enter her into me. And whoever seeks refuge from the fire three times, Jahannam, the fire responds and says, Oh Allah, do not let him enter into me. Do not let her enter into me. And so what then of a people that say this throughout the night? Oh Allah, remove from us the fire of hellfire, uh, the punishment of hellfire. Verily, its punishment um, is, is, is like a, is, is like a, you know, a stalking debtor um, you know, to, that comes to take its right. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to have that sense of urgency. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from the punishment of the grave and the punishment of the fire. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala replace that with the reward of the paradise of, of the Jannah and the companionship of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us a people that have the healthy balance of the love of Allah and then hope in Allah and fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And may Allah azza wa ta'ala allow all three of those things, all three of those qualities to drive us back to him so that we may be counted amongst ibadul rahman amongst the servants of the most merciful. Allahumma ameen. Jazakumullahu khayran. Inshallah ta'ala, I will see you all tomorrow. Please keep us near du'a tonight. It's the 25th night. I'm going to be selfish here and ask you, please, in your moments of seclusion in these last 10 nights, uh, if you can remember myself and my family and all of the team members at Yaqeen and their families, if you can remember us all, inshallah ta'ala, every one of these last 10 nights, that's all I would ask of you in return for this, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, so please make dua for us, inshallah. And I pray that Allah Azawajal accept it on behalf of, of, of you, on behalf of us. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us all to be amongst those that catch Laylatul Qadr. Allahumma ameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyana Muhammad. وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته